for the second week in a row, we have the honor of bringing in an NCAA Division I official for the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich podcast. I am Referee Mark Freilich, and this is episode number 52 of the podcast as we continue on with season three. Today's guest is former Ohio High School official and current NCAA Division I official, John Floyd of Toledo, Ohio, home of the Mud Hens. <laughs> um, John has officiated college basketball since 2008-2009 season and has been a Division I official since the 2011-2012 season. He is currently working in the Big Ten, the Mid-American Conference, the Atlantic 10, Horizon, and Summit Leagues. John has worked the last three NCAA tournaments and was an alternate in 2019. He worked four NIT tournaments, including the 2021 championship. He's also worked several conference tournaments, including the Mid-American Conference, the Horizon, and Summit, and also officiated the 2021 Mid-American Conference Championship and was an alternate for that championship game uh, in 2022. PQ2 LLC is the major sponsor of the high school basketball referee. Owner Matt Kearns has been an Ohio basketball official for 36 years. Matt's a member of the Trumbull County, Portage County, and Lake Erie Basketball Officiating Associations in Northeast Ohio. He's a longtime friend, a great basketball officiating mentor, and you can learn more about his company, PQ2 LLC, at pq-2.com. Please remember to subscribe or follow this podcast at whatever podcast platform you are listening. Uh, you know, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Podcaster, uh, iHeart Podcast, along with multiple others. And after you do that, uh, hopefully the podcast platform will send you a message informing you when new episodes appear. And in the show notes of your podcast platform, you do have a chance to offer your support for this podcast by clicking on the link in the show notes. Uh, or you can also visit anchor.fm backslash mark dash backslash support. And I appreciate that very much. Also, I uh, want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen uh, if you are a returning listener, thank you very much. If you're a new listener, I hope you enjoy the show. And episode number 52 with John Floyd from Toledo, Ohio begins right now. And here we are in another episode of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast with Mark Freilich. And I am uh, real happy to have John on the uh, on the episode. As you heard in the introduction, he's got a lot of... Uh, collegiate success right now and uh, but before that uh, we we had him on the high school basketball floor in Ohio so we were happy to have him for that amount of time anyways and we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh, before we do that John welcome to the show thanks Mark I really appreciate it I'm looking forward to it it's an honor to be here uh, I've listened to most of the episodes if not all and I'm an avid listener always learn something when I'm, when I'm listening. Oh, thank you very much. That's great to hear. And uh, well, before we get into the pregame where we find out more a little bit about you, um, we want to take a little bit of a break and listen to our major sponsor, who is PQ2 LLC. We'll be right back. If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding extrusion or blow molded project make the right call to pq2 llc that's www.pq-2.com you can follow or like the high school basketball referee with mark fraley podcast on both facebook and twitter you'll find all of the episodes and eventually, we're hoping to add some additional content. In the meantime, find the links on the show notes, or you can go ahead and search for the podcast on those social media outlets. As we get into the pregame, John, uh, heading into the 22-23 uh, season, um, maybe a little bit of a review, if you would, on last season. Talk about some things that might have happened last year uh, that, that's going to help you coming into this season. 
Um, I mean, I think for me, it's been a kind of an ongoing process. It's always looking back on your season. And one thing I've been really trying to work on season by season by season is really just working on a slow, patient whistle, um, allowing plays to develop, you know, start, develop, and finish. Uh, and analogy I was once told that I'm still trying to work on is before we make a decision on any particular play, try to gather as much evidence on that play before we make a decision. So that's just kind of an ongoing process for me um, that, you know, I think as you see more and more plays, we just try to get better year after year. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about trying to get better year after year, you've been in officiating quite a while now. So talk a little bit about your journey into uh, high school basketball officiating and then how that kind of dovetailed into your um, collegiate career. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate. Um, you know, I played collegiately at um, Oakland for one year and then finished up at Bowling Green. Um, thought that I wanted to coach after getting done playing, but um, was introduced to the other side of the business, as they say, of officiating by uh, Terry Weimer, uh, who officiated me a lot in college, um, kind of told me some of the, the opportunities that could be out there. And, you know, he was the one. He, you know, took me out, got the bite to eat. That's my last year playing and kind of talked me into trying to, to officiate. And I caught the bug. Um, you know, his advice to me is, you know, obviously go work high school, work as many games as possible because, you know, throwing on a, the stripes is a lot different than wearing a uniform. It takes a little, a little more trying to get comfortable wearing the stripes and blowing whistles. So I was working anything and everything when I first started. And um, very thankful that he introduced me to this because uh, it's afforded me a lot of good, good opportunities as, as I've moved up. Yeah, as you look at your uh, working everything and anything, you know, at the, during that time period, I mean, you had junior high, you had freshman, probably you had varsity, JV. Um, talk a little bit about those times and uh, what you learned from uh, working those those games. Yeah, I mean, I, I was working, you know, anything from a fourth and fifth grade kids tournament, you know, working four or five games on a Saturday morning, then going to work a, a maybe a freshman JV doubleheader at night, you know, at first year. I mean, I was just trying to work as much as possible. And working those type of games, you kind of learn, especially how to communicate, especially with fans, because <laughs> they're right <laughs> on top of you. It's, they're not drowned out by this the kind of white noise of a game that's crowded. You, you hear everything. So willing, you know, trying to develop that thick skin, uh, you learn quickly not, not to let things bother you that are being said from the from the stands. Uh, and this, you know, the communication skills of trying to communicate with those coaches, trying to treat them, you know, with the same respect as you would, you know, a varsity basketball coach. Um, it, just, it put a different perspective for me on it. Yeah, and when you got up to the high school ranks, um, you know this uh, because the podcast does talk a lot about high school high school basketball. Obviously, what kind of things um, did you learn in your journey of officiating in high school basketball? So one one thing I was always told: we had two ears, one mouth for a reason. You know, and I tried to keep my mouth shut and, just, and listen. Uh, there was a lot of guys that when I was working. Uh, freshman in JV ball. I always stuck around and watched the varsity guys work. Um, Bill Bradish was a guy that really took me under his wing uh, when I first started. You know, back when I started, especially the BVC, the Blanchard Valley Conference was doing, was still having the varsity guys get their JV guys. Um, and I always would ride down with them and stick around and ride back with them. Uh, and I just, the wealth of knowledge that was being shared, I still used you know, to this day, uh, I'm very thankful for uh, guys like, you know, Bill Bradish, you know, Ed Phillips, um, Greg Langsdorf, um, you, know, you know, those guys really helped me out a lot as I was coming up. So I'm sure one of the things that you were able to do in those trips and, and by attending those games is hear some of the pre-games, and, and I'm sure yours has evolved over over time. I think all of ours have evolved over time. Um, talk about your pregame and, and some of the essentials that, uh, especially in the high school game, I think, some of the essentials that need to be covered in, in today's pregame. So a big thing for me during a pregame is um, 
control the controllables. The, all the things we take for granted that uh, can get us in the soup is stuff that we have to take care of that I think sometimes we kind of forget about. It. I just like talking about it. Hey, guys, make sure we have five guys on the floor for each team. Um, you know, we, we put the ball in play. If there's six players, yeah, the technical gets, goes against that team. But ultimately, that, that's our mistake. Um, I've had it happen to me. And so I always talk about that. Are we, you know, are we doing a spot throw in? Or is it, uh, can the player run the baseline? This little things like that, knowing who our shooters are. Um, everything, like the, all that little stuff that can keep us out of trouble. Uh, that we probably take for granted on a game-by-game basis, I think is important just to talk about. Because uh, a lot of times we're not going to be able to control the quality of play that's going to be on the floor, <laughs> but that's the stuff we can control. Um, so that's my number one thing in a pregame I like to talk about. Uh, and obviously, you know, you're going to talk about personnel. Uh, if this, you know, if I've had a particular team or one of my partners have had a particular team, is there a particular player that, hey, maybe we need to keep it, you know, a second or third eye on just to make sure there's no dead ball stuff happening. Um, that's all good stuff to kind of just know, being prepared as far as what our game may may or may not look like. Yeah. So, John, what kind of things, what's different about a pregame in high school and a pregame in college? Is there any difference at all? I don't think there's a big difference. Probably the number one thing is, I mean, we're probably working, you know, at the high school level, you're probably finding a group of, you know, five, six, seven guys that you're probably working the majority of your games with. Um, right now, I mean, I, they're, you know, I may work with 15 different guys over a, you know, a two to three week period. So it's just more trying to get us all on the same page. Um, because obviously at, uh, at the high school level, you're, when you're working with the same six or seven guys, the majority of your games, you're probably on the, already on the same page. So some of that stuff you don't even have to talk about. Um, so with us, we just, you know, maybe something that makes me tick. Um, maybe my partner, you know, he doesn't talk about. And something that he likes to talk about, maybe I just don't talk about. So it's kind of nice to get different perspectives that, you know, we make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. As as I look at your, your biography outside of the pregame, um, just a little bit before we get into the next segment, um, I, in 2021, what a great year that was for you. You worked the uh, NIT uh, tournament, the championship tournament, it looks like, and also the championship MAC tournament, uh, Mid-American Conference. And uh, we followed that up um, in 2022 with uh, with some more success with as an alternate at the MAC championship. Uh, my goodness, you, you had a heck of a last two years. Uh, how do you follow something like that up? Yeah, I was very fortunate. You know, some opportunities came my way. Um, that you know, I, I guess they were telling me I did a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, I was, I, I feel very, very lucky. Um, I, there's a lot of, lots and lots of good officials that are worthy of of working those games. So to be selected, you know, it, it's very humbling uh, because there's just so many, there's so many good officials that are worthy of that. I mean, I, I don't take that for granted because there's a lot of guys that would love. To work those games mm-hmm. and it was experiences that i would never take back i mean it's to be able to after that back championship game in 2021 I, myself and one of my partners went back to the hotel um broke open a, you know a couple of adult beverages this, <laughs> we're, li- we're literally talking and it's reliving the season you know probably until like three four o'clock in the morning and I think we watched the Mountain West Championship on repeat. I mean, it was like this story after story after story. It was such a good ending to um, that particular season, not knowing that my season was going to continue going. I, I had no idea um, that you know that I was able to get into the NCAA tournament a week later, and then the NIT after that. I mean, it was just all that stuff came so fast, and I was you know, very grateful for that. Yeah, you know, those things happen, don't don't they? I mean, things happen so fast, and then you get this big game at the Garden, right? You got the big game at the uh, NIT in the Garden, and, and uh, that probably felt like that went, you know, in no time, right? Yeah, well, so actually the, the NIT that year was was actually in Frisco, Texas. Oh. They moved it, yeah, they moved that because of the COVID situation. Um, Texas, I'm not sure if they just had different, you know, COVID rules going on, but they moved everything down to Frisco. 
Uh, so the quarterfinals, semis, and finals, I worked all three rounds, were all in one location. Um, and then I was totally unexpected about the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, that's actually a pretty funny story how I got in, because in 2019, I got in as an alternate, yep. sat at the table for four games, awesome experience. Um, to be able to sit in on four different crews of NCAA tournament guys, four different crew chiefs that all had Final Four experience, mm. and just soak it in. And the fact that they made me feel part of the crew, which was the coolest thing. I mean, they, even though I was only an alternate, they included me in everything. We're asking my opinions on plays at halftime. Like, I was going to tell Mike Stevens, you know, like, <laughs> you, you, know, you kicked that play. Like, you know, but it was cool that they were asking me and really involved in me. Um, but it, obviously 2020, there was no end summer tournament when everything got shut down. But I was not anticipating getting to the end summer tournament in 2021. Basically what happened was there's only 60 guys made it. And I was on a list of 15 guys that was considered alternates in case someone popped positive or got hurt. And I had the test every day going into that tournament like I was going. And once Sunday night came around, I did not get a phone call. So I was expecting, hey, I, I'm not going to make it. Well, on Monday, J.D. Collins, who was the national coordinator at the time, calls me at like 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning and asked, hey, did you test yesterday? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, and I, there's this awkward silence. Like, J.D., do you need me to go test? He's like, yeah, how about you go test? Like, <laughs> no problem. I was like, I was at a Kroger, popped over to the little clinic, got a test result, told me to send it over. I sent it over to him. I don't hear anything back. I'm like, all right, there goes a false alarm. Calls me back like an hour and a half later and says, all right, John, let me get this right. You test for, you know, 14 straight days, you know, ending on Saturday, whatever date that was. I'm like, yes. He goes, you did not test yesterday. No, because when you tested today, it came back negative. I'm like, yep. He said, congratulations, you're in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> and my mouth was like, because I knew once I got in, at that point, I'm going to be on the floor. I mean, it was a, you know, that's a goal of mine. I wanted to get there. It was a, a very astonishing moment for me. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, and, you know, after the initial shock, and JD's like, yeah, by the way, I need you to hear in five hours. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> so go home, pack the bag. Hey, I'll see you guys in a, you know, a couple of weeks because at that point we knew we were going to be there at least for a week and a half. So, um, but it was cool. It was a cool experience, and one that you know obviously there was only only enough being fifty nine guys actually inside the bubble. A couple of guys popped positive. A couple of guys got contact traced. So they brought in the, I think three of the so-called alternates to come in and work. So only 59 guys got to experience what we experienced. It's, it was an eye-opening uh, deal. I mean, then somebody did an unbelievable job to be able to pull that off. I was talking with Matt Kearns the other day. Matt is, of course, the owner of our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC. And he was reminding me that, and this goes for every official, the importance of all of us to continue recruiting officials while at the same time, maybe refinding ourselves and understanding why we got into officiating. You know, we know part of the reason we officiate is to help that particular official or to be an example for that student athlete. And of course, to continue to build great relationships. That's kind of the theme you'll find with Matt's company, PQ2. It's been around for a while now and it's always good to be that business, which helps a particular client that recruits new players and also helps with clients' particular needs. Learn more about PQ2 and see how they can help you by going to pq-2.com or calling Matt at 330-888-9448. You can become an official podcast supporter of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick by visiting anchor.fm backslash mark Freilich backslash support. Find the support link on the show description of this episode or on the description of the podcast on the home section of the podcast. Thank you very much. 
And we enter our first quarter, which is a discussion with uh, John Floyd on coaches and communication. And uh, John, your brother is a basketball coach, so uh, you probably probably have some conversations with him a little bit about coaches and officials, don't you? Yeah, he has a different way of looking at the game than us as officials. It's, it's <laughs> astonishing. Um, some of the it. clips he sends me, because um, I've been to his games. You know, he's you know he'll send me a clip. You know, like, John, do you think this is a trap? I open that open up that can of worms because I've seen some of your players and they also pass on some travelers on your guys. <laughs> so you know, let's be let's be careful what you want actually want calls so some of those conversations are pretty interesting to have with my brother <laughs> i'll bet so as we look at at coaches um you know you, you have a philosophy of how you handle coaches i'm sure um do you speak with them or is it just strictly business you know every game can be different i'm not gonna have too much dialogue um but you know you gotta understand you know obviously if i'm you know first breaking into a league the conversations may be quick to the point. Um, after I have a coach a couple, you know, two, three, four times, you start developing a little rapport. But you also have to understand I may have really good rapport with with Team A's coach, but if Team B's coach is coming on the road to play Team A, and I've never seen this guy before, I am definitely not going to have a bunch of conversation with Team A that maybe I would normally have maybe a little more conversation with him if it was a league game. But if it's a non-league game, I don't know the opposing coach, I'm definitely I'm not going to give off the perception that you know, I'm going to give him more attention than I would give um, the other coach. So I think it, it kind of depends. You have to kind of have to read the situation, um, if that makes sense. When you're, when you're on the floor, do you find yourself using some of the same phrases to coaches at all? And if so, what, what kind of things do you say? You know, I, I don't think there's any particular phrase that I use, um, but I, I try to listen to the coaches because a lot of times they just want to be heard because a lot of times they're yelling at their kids and they're not listening. So they want someone just to listen to them at times. And they just want to kind of, you know, maybe a lot of times I'll say, I, I hear you, coach. I, I try to get steer them in the direction of if they don't agree with a particular play of what they actually saw on that play. I try to steer them allow them to vent, but get to them to a point where they're asking me a question. And I always, I come up from the philosophy that I may lose a battle with a coach, but I, I don't want to lose the war. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, if a coach says what he, what he saw, I, I may say the phrase, you could be right. I'm not admitting that I'm wrong. And I'm also not admitting that he's right. I'm just saying, hey, you could be right there. I'll take a look at it. At that point, you're acknowledging his concerns. You're not telling him he's wrong. I'm not combative with him. And most coaches, that's kind of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They just want to be heard and understood at a time of, you know, where they don't, they're emotional about a call. Do you have a barometer for coaches at all? Um, basically, can they go to a certain point with you before you begin to put the hammer down? Yeah, I mean, any time a coach embarrasses me, that's they've drawn on that line. But for me, it's it's not personal. I think that's one thing. I I think young officials feel that technical foul is. Their, their blood pressure rises. I mean, for me, it's just, it's just another call. Most coaches, um, they know when they've crossed that line, and they'll respect you for drawing that line. If you can draw that line, it's not personal. It's just another call in the book. We move on. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I want, I want a technical foul to help the game. If I can get him back to coaching, which is what coaches are better at, they're not very good at officiating. They're much better coaches. Just like I'm not a very good coach, that's why I officiate. If I can get the back, them back to do a, doing what they do best, it's going to be good for the game. It's going to be best for their team. So I always want that technical foul to be something that gets them back to where they need to be. 
Any uh, any memorable technical files that you've distributed in high school level or, or even college level that might bring a smile to our faces? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I kind of talked about you know getting the coach back to where you know what they do best. I had a team was getting beat, call foul. He doesn't agree with it. They're down by roughly twelve or thirteen, and it's early second half, and you know he co- comes outside the coach's box, you know. Basically, throws you know fist into his other hand, you know yells some explosives at me, and so you know I tee him. You know we move forward, we shoot the two, and literally he's, at that point he knew that the, the line was drawn. If he gets another one, he's, he's going to the locker room. He had to get back and focus on the game because we string in the first half. Once we got in the early second half, we talked by the half, and he had was teetering the line, he crossed it, and at that point, we got him back to coaching. They had a, basically a tie game, about three, four minutes left. At that point, he says, John, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I said, Coach, well, I, I appreciate you saying that, but why is that? He goes, you got me back to what I needed to do. Coaching. Huh? I said, hey, all good. Glad you guys are playing well. You always have a good finish. So, <laughs> it's just funny. Like, they know when they cross that line. And sometimes they want that tactical. It might be to get get their team going. Kind of have to read those situations. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3, in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330 888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner Matt Kearns. All right, we start our second quarter. In the second quarter, we're going to talk about players, communications uh, with with the players, and and we all know that uh, that's kind of a critical part of the game as well, in, in today's game anyway. So, John, what can you say about working with players what have you learned over the years and maybe um what has changed in your game communicating with the players you know i mean fortunately for me i did play at a relatively high level um playing division one basketball so i kind of understand some of the gamemanship um so to speak, is some of what these guys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's changed a little bit since I played, but I, you know, I think what we can do as officials is we're still fans of the game. If we, if we weren't, we wouldn't be officiating. So I see no problem if a guy makes a, a great pass or you know makes a, a very very athletic move. Hey, number fifty-two, man, that was a great play. You're acknowledging a great play during your game. It also shows that you're, you're appreciative of what, what that player just did. And they'll look at you as opposed to just being a guy wearing a striped shirt. Now you're kind of seen as, hey, I'm a real person. Like, I, I, it's much easier for them to not get along with a guy just wearing a striped shirt. Hey, hey ref, if I could develop a, hey, I'm a fan, just like you, know, you are of, of NBA guys. You know, at that point, we, we found some com- common ground. So I try to do that every once in a while. This, hey, good hustle, you know, all this like, positive stuff. Because a lot of times these kids, you have to understand what they're going through. Uh, a lot of times, they're, all they're hearing is probably bad stuff from their coach. Hey, do this, do that, play harder. If we can maybe be more of a positive towards them, hey, good hustle. Hey, we're we're kind of a helping hand. We're throwing an olive branch towards them. A lot of kids, a lot of kids will respect that. Yeah, I really like that, and you're right. I think um, they kind of see us in a different manner when we do that as well, and uh, that's a, a real positive thing to do. Um, and, you know, the other thing uh, we talk about, John, is proactive officiating, um, and we know that that's commonly used by a lot of officials, but um, how do you interject your voice in the game to maintain that flow of the game? Yeah, there's certain phrases I'll use. I, I probably one I say the most is just stay solid. Stay solid. Because uh, at that point, I'm I'm not saying that they're fouling. Because I, I hate to say, you know, hands off. Because if a coach hears me, I say, well, then call the foul if that's what he's doing. Right. So I try to say, they stay solid. You know, at that point, they, if they just hear your voice, 
you probably can be saying whatever. If they just know your presence is there, they're probably going to be more apt to play by the um, letter of the of the rule book, so to say. So, this making your presence felt in that in their vicinity is probably going to help and avoid putting them into a, a situation where they may catch a foul. Uh, I, I think all that stuff is good, and you know this. Use your voice as much as possible. I would try to avoid saying something that they're doing that is a foul. Because if a coach does pick up on that, they can put you in a, in a, in a box that you know, it's going to be tough to talk your way out of. How do, you, how do you utilize that communication when you're dealing with a difficult player? Um, one that might complain a lot, um, have, the, have the hand gyrations out, you know, like what did I do and, and things like that. What How, how do you... What kind of things do you do to talk to that player? So, I mean, if there's a player that's a, you know, a, a problem child, as they like to say, I, I'll try to pull them off to the side and be like, hey, listen, my man, help me help you. Mm. I'm just trying to trying to save you in this game. You know, I, you know, you've got five fouls. I can put five on you pretty quick if, you, if you're going to continue to do what you're doing. Just help me help you. Because, I, and again, it's more from positive reinforcement to say I want you in this game if he hears you say something like that most kids will react positively towards you uh, now not all of them will but hopefully that they'll kind of read into what you're trying to do for them and you know help you if there's a be a tough situation that, that you'll need um, their help with yeah similar to a coach um, how far can a player go with you? Um, in arguing a call, do they get a little less of a leash from you than a coach? Yeah, again, the same motto I live by with coaches, I live with players. Do, do not embarrass me. I would not embarrass them. Yeah. And I'm going to allow them to react, react emotionally where that initial, you know, that they've, ah, you know, they're disappointed the foul is called and react emotionally, but the continuous reaction is going to draw basically another, another foul on them, <laughs> this one being a technical foul. Right. But I'm going to allow that initial reaction, and maybe the first time they do it, be like, hey, man, I understand that you're frustrated with it, but you can't keep going on with it. Yeah, maybe give them a, a little bit of a leash on the first one, and then after that, you know, you got to take care of business. Um, one of my, you know, pet peeves when it comes to, you know, officiating and us, how we deal with players is, I am a stickler when it comes to us calling a, just a single technical on one player for taunting. Because by, and this kind of comes from my playing days, maybe because I kind of put a bunch of crap into the game when I played. <laughs> if a player is taunting someone, typically the player he's taunting, he was taunting at some point as well. So my rule of thumb is if I'm going to get a taunting technical, I'm going to find something to try to match it up. Let's call it double. That that cuts all the BS out of the game. And then, you know, the leader team shooting, you know, we keep the ball where it's at and we move forward. It's just a pet peeve of mine, you know, that, we, you know, everyone says we always catch the second act. We have to be able to match up that because we, anyone that we've all probably have played, you've, you've got to know that something started that um, act of leading to a technical foul. It was probably something that led up to that. So I saw this question online and thought I'd try it here. How old was the youngest player that you've ever seen dunk a basketball in a live game? We can count my playing days, correct? <laughs> yes. I, I, I hate to admit this, but I was dunked on in seventh grade <laughs> dunked so, on in seventh grade holy moly yeah yeah i tried taking a charge that was the last time i tried taking a charge on that kid <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot yeah how tall was he he was in eighth grade so <laughs> so it was the seventh and eighth grade aau tournament he literally took off outside the lane and he was about six four Oh my God! So I, I learned pretty quick that if I want to try to take a charge, I better take a couple steps outside the lane on him. 
All right, well, let's take a quick break uh, for halftime. And so when we come back, we'll hear um, we'll hear from John in the third and fourth quarters, uh, also in the postgame and the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Exponential results. Longtime Ohio High School basketball official Matt Kearns is owner of PQ2, an engineering thermoplastics for virtually any engineered application is their expertise. They will help you source the right material for every application, including UL-listed, FDA, and NSF-approved resins. Matt and his team are proud of their best-in-class domestic and international supply relationships. When you need specialty resins, they deliver branded, prime, certified materials from the producer. The industry has changed over the years, but one thing has not, and that's PQ2's attention to detail, the quality of their products, and the care for those who use their products. Become better acquainted with PQ2 after browsing through their website at pq-2.com and then let them know how they can provide a tailored solution for you. Our third quarter begins, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about mentoring. You had touched on that early in the podcast about how uh, you've had some really good mentors when you first started, um, and I'm sure at your level now you've had a lot more mentors. But uh, talk about some of those guys and uh, how they've helped you in your development. Well, no, first off by saying I apologize to anyone that listens to it and I don't mention their name because there's uh, so many that I know I'm going to forget someone um but i mentioned terry weimer he's one of the reasons i got into officiating uh has been an unbelievable mentor to me um bill Lack, he's um was is my small college uh, supervisor currently i've been fortunate enough to now work division one games with him uh he was the one that first hired me into college ball um you know greg langsdorf todd von sass and scott seville uh, Bill Bradis, J.D. Collins, who was the national coordinator. He was my supervisor for the Mac and Summit uh, for th- four years. And then he was also my supervisor in the Crossroads League, um, NAIA League in, in Indiana. Um, I mean, that's just to name a few. I mean, there's so many that I've been trying to just pick knowledge off um, anyone I can. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm not hesitant to make a phone call to, to someone and, you know, read how different guys would handle different situations. So mm-hmm. but those are just the highlights. Some of my mentors coming up. If, can you, uh, can you think about any time with any of those mentors that they might've said something to you that really, it came at a time that um, maybe you really needed it to either um, get you out of a funk or maybe that it got you out of a, um, um, you know, a, a little bit of an ego trip maybe. So is there anything that you can recall that they really kind of brought you down to earth a little bit? Yeah, well, I remember J.D. Collins said to me once, this was when he was my supervisor for the Mac and the Summit. Um, I had a tough situation. I might have missed a, you know, a, a rather large play towards the end of the game. I forget exactly what happened, but I just remember him telling me, John, once you stop caring, you'll be better official. Hmm. And I didn't really understand what he meant when he said that, but I finally, as the years have gone on, I finally now realize what he meant. Basically, he was trying to tell me, not that I don't care if I get my place right and I, you know, get my place right or wrong. It's not that. It's just, no matter what, I don't care what happens during the course of a game. I can handle the situation. There's nothing that is going to, I guess, scare me. You know, whether it be how a coach is going to um, react to a call, is you know this player going to put put something into the game I can't handle? Is a you know a possible fight going to break out? Whatever that situ- crazy situation is going to be, or a crazy rule situation comes up, it, as long as I don't care that it's going to happen because I know I can handle it, I am going to be a better official, and I have been because I don't. I mean, no matter what happens during the course of my games, it, it doesn't bother me because I know I can navigate my way through it uh, so i didn't really understand what he was trying to tell me when he first said it um but I, when he said it i it made me think and i didn't really learn probably until two three four years down the road of what he was trying to tell me yeah 
Yeah, that's that's great advice. And, you know, speaking of advice, you know, officials a lot of times will get good and, and maybe not so good advice from other officials. Um, how do you decipher the difference between the two, especially if you're a young official? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier, right? You know, we I was always told we got, you know, one mouth and two ears for a reason. You know, keep your mouth shut and keep your ears open. Um, one thing... It might have been Bill Bradish that told me, you know, officiating, it's kind of like a buffet line. You know, if I could take bits and pieces from each guy that gives me advice, that's going to mold me into the official I am. Um, one thing that I did witness at a camp a few years back, a guy by the name of Mike Eads, who's now the coordinator of officials for the SEC, American, Sunbelt. He's got a few other conferences, but he was a clinician at a camp I was at. And I remember him you know, I kind of huddled up, listened to what, you know, he was telling the crew that was out there working. And I never him kind of drilling this particular official, like, hey, you know, who's your who's your mentor? Like, the guy was like, uh, it's Scott Foster, you know, NBA official. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that. He goes, yeah, you ref a lot like him. And the guy was like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be just like him. He goes, you can't be Scott Foster. You cannot be Scott Foster. There's only one Scott Foster. You have to be your own person. So that kind of resonated with me because I, I can't be Terry Weimer. I can't be Bill Eck. I, I just got to be my own person. But I can take little bits and pieces of what they do and implement it to my own game. But, I you know, how Terry handled the situation is going to be – I can't handle it like, you know, he did. I, gotta, I have to navigate my own way of, you know, navigating particular situ- uh, situations that arise. What makes a good mentor, and, and how do officials, especially the young officials, go about finding a, a mentor? Because a lot of times, I think a lot of times we'll hear, well, nobody came to me and, and tried to help me out. And, and a lot of times officials have to go out and seek a mentor as well. So how do they go out and do that? You know, I, I think, one, not being afraid to ask is number one. I think too many guys are a little hesitant about you know asking guys for advice um you know pick up the phone make that phone call but don't be afraid uh, of asking questions uh because you know you may not like the answer now if you are afraid of the answer maybe you don't ask to ask the question that's what they was always told as well uh, you need you need a mentor that's going to be honest with you if you get if you're going to find someone that is going to tell you you know oh, you're doing this right you're doing that right you're doing this right but he doesn't give you any you know, stuff that you're probably not handling as well. Maybe he's not the best, he or she may not be the best uh, mentor for you. You got to find someone that's going to be honest with with um, where you're at um, in your officiating career and what, you know, what you work on. This is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. And we begin our fourth quarter, and we're going to talk about some end-of-game situations with John Floyd. And, uh, John, here we go. The game's tied at 60. Okay, there's five seconds left in the game, and Team A has the basketball underneath their own basket, and they have called a timeout. What are you and your partners going to talk about during the timeout? Well, we're definitely going to huddle. Uh, we, we, you know, we're going to talk about. It. We have a spot throw in. Can you run the baseline? Uh, this, you know, this situation was was tie game, correct? Yes. Yeah. So tie game. You know, they may have a foul to give. So you know, if they got a foul to give, we want to know that because they may, you know, do a take foul at some point. Maybe when they cross half court. Um, but we also want to know if they're in bonus. Uh, the last thing you want to do is put a marginal foul 
you know, 90 feet from the basket. That puts them at, for a one-on-one situation, you know, to win the game on a marginal foul. Um, knowing where the AP arrow is, all that little stuff that, um, the information that, that we need to know at the end of the game. And then also, hey, you know, talking about, you know, hey, number 42 is probably their best player. You know, let's make sure that, you know, if he's, you know, you guys start thinking like a coach, you know, if they're going to run a, you know, a double back screen, whatever that may be, uh, let's try to find, make sure he's not getting held. You know, he has good freedom of movement. You know, this kind of knowing who our go-to players are. Okay, so uh, we're going to hit another situation. Um, team A has the full length of the court to go, and they're down by two points now in the fourth quarter with uh, eight seconds to go. A timeout's been called, and uh, you and your partners huddle together. What's going to be the discussion? So Team A is down two? Team A is down two, and it has the full length of the floor to go. Okay. Obviously, again, run baseline, spot throw in, all the stuff I just talked about. Uh, one one play that's kind of come up to, into our game, and if a team, offense team is down two, they might try to run it, especially if they, obviously if they can run baseline, is where they, if the defensive team, team B, is guarding the ball, um, the inbounder, when he runs baseline, they may try to set a screen, almost like a blind screen, and we're going to you know, have a collision. That's a play that's creeped into our game. Uh, and I, we want to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we want to make sure it's a legal screen. Two, we want to make sure that that screener um, is in bounds. You know, sometimes they'll put their foot out of bounds, and I know by rule in our game that that makes it an illegal screen. You have to be uh, two feet in bounds for it to be a legal screen. So that's just a play that has come up a lot in different games that. I've seen, I've had it happen in one of my games. It's creeped into our game because, you know, Team A is trying to maybe steal one there uh, to get to the line as opposed to having to actually run a play. So you've got two situations. The games, uh, the game has been pretty tight in both of these situations. What kind of things do you do in games, situations like this that um, allow you to remain calm and focused during these really what are potentially maybe tense situations? I think getting the crew together and making sure we're all on the same page gives a peace of mind to me. Um, obviously, if I'm the crew chief, I'm definitely going to get my crew together. If I'm not the crew chief, I may wait a second or two and give that crew chief an opportunity to get us together. But if he doesn't, I'm going to get us together. because It's just going to make me feel more comfortable, more at ease to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, because... The last thing we want to be is uncomfortable on the last possession where we've refed perfect for 39 minutes and 52 seconds. Then the last eight seconds, we have a, a situation arise where it was not handled properly uh, just because maybe we, we were in an uncomfortable uh, feeling inside. And that's just going to, you know, that's that's the type of stuff that when that happens, we get calls to our supervisor and, then we get the calls on the way home that makes the ride home <laughs> a lot less enjoyable. Um, so I just try to get our crew together. That's just going to calm me down, ease the nerves, and allow me to be in a good state of mind to make the best decision possible to um, whatever play happens. As you've heard in this podcast many times, many officials say that the relationships within the community of basketball officials is a huge reason why they take Um, the floor each and every game year after year. PQ2 LLC, they bring that same passion that you have in the locker room to every client relationship they've built over the years. PQ2 is proud to be the thermoplastics resins company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. We enter into our post game, which is just a variety of different questions. And John, you've seen a lot of basketball. Um, what what do you think? Uh, what's the scariest thing to ever happen to you on the court? We're either off the court, on the court, maybe something with a fan, co- coach, or our player. Um, probably the scariest. Probably a fight broke out. Both benches cleared hmm. in a. Um, junior college game 
back in my first or second year officiating college. Uh, <laughs> I was a young buck at the time. <laughs> didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, but I do remember there was a particular player on one of the teams that we just kind of started throwing people out. You know, that's it. You know, you, you're gone. And actually, one of the players was <laughs> was a player from Toledo St. John's, which where I went to high school, knew who I was. And he looked at me and goes, Floyd, you're going to kick me out. I said, yes, today I am. You know, like, we're moving forward, my man. You know, this kept tweeting the whistle, but I was just trying to follow the lead of my fellow officials. But that was um, a welcome to basketball officiating moment right there. That's something that you can never prepare for, is it? No, no. no. I, I, if someone says you're ready for it, you're not ready for it. I, there's just nothing you can do. It happens so fast that... I mean, you look back on it, and I'm like, God, can we have called more fouls? I look back, we had like 55 fouls in the game. So, I, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So, when you look at officiating, what do you gain from it professionally and in your personal life? It just it allows communication skills. I mean, I'm dealing with um, lots of different people from lots of different walks of life. Um, whether that be the players that I'm dealing with the coaches or my, or my partners, uh, being able to communicate with them. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people that they may have different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, um, whatever that may be. But especially when it comes to my partners, when we're inside that locker room together, um, it doesn't really matter. All that stuff is thrown out the window and we're, we're, we're a team. We're going out there together. And in today's world, uh, you know, it's so divisive. You know, the political world. Uh, you know, it's just it's just crazy. But yeah, you know, I can have someone who's really really hard right or really really hard left, and we can all come together and um, you know and go out there and be a team. We get along. Shockingly, <laughs> saying that, <laughs> and we move on. We we ref a good game, and then we'll go have an adult beverage after the game and be able to chop it up. And that that's what it gains for me is just to be able to gain different perspectives of what uh, people's um, experiences are. Sure, sure. And and how about family life? Talk a little bit about family life and how you've been able to balance that between your home life and your officiating life. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest here, it, it's tough. I mean, I've had, you know, a lot, a lot got thrown at me very, very quickly. And, I mean, I went from you're not really ever prepared. You know, I, I went from, you know, working, you know, so many odd games um, and being able to get home at, at night to where, I mean, there could be times where I'm not home for two three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got a little five-year-old at home trying to be there as much as I can, especially during the, the off season, you know, all of his baseball games, all of his flag football games, all of his soccer games. Uh, obviously I missed some basketball, um, thankfully he's now finally at an age where he's starting to kind of realize, you know, what I do. Um, he'll ask if I'm on TV, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I kind of hear him ask that question. Uh, sometimes he falls asleep before I'm on, but that's all right. Um, but yeah, I just try to do the best I can. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Um, what, what we do is it's not a, it's not a normal occupation. So it's a lot of strain on the family life, but I'm thankful that, um, I've got people that support me. You can become an official podcast supporter of the high school basketball referee with Mark Freilich by visiting anchor.fm backslash Mark dash Freilich backslash support. Find the support link on the show description of this episode or on the description of the podcast on the home section of the podcast. Thank you very much. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort, At the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888. 9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. 
never ride home wondering if you made the right call. And we begin our five quick decisions. And uh, as usual, John, the uh, five questions begin with food. What's the best food you've ever had at one of your games? This would include at maybe the facility uh, that's provided to you before the game or after the game or at a concession stand. So there's one particular facility at school that when we get there, they will give you a sheet where you can order whatever you want from the concession stand pregame, at halftime, and postgame. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. They, they treat you very well at this at this school. And I always, it's going to sound a little childish, but <laughs> I always get the, the Sour Patch uh, kids. Um, and that just brings me back to my childhood. I used to go to all the, if you remember, Mark, all the big UT, when UT used to, actually used to host all the big high school doubleheaders. Yeah. Back in the day, my dad and I would always go, even when my older brother played at St. John's, you know, class of 96, even with, even before he was playing, I just were getting Sour Patch kids <laughs> at University of Toledo. So I always have to get them. You know, they offer them, so I got to take advantage. Oh, uh, you just might have got yourself an endorsement deal there. <laughs> <laughs> NIL. Hey, the yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hey, from what from uh, walking onto the basketball floor to walking off the floor at each game, what's your favorite part of officiating a basketball game? You know, my favorite part, honestly, is is afterward. I mean, the, you know, our travel sometimes doesn't allow us to um, ride together, but maybe get a double, you know, a back to back game with a crew. Um, those are fun times, you know, to be able to go out to eat. You know, again, you, you might be with someone from, you know, Minneapolis area and another guy from, you know, Lexington, Kentucky. It's just, again, different walks of life. And you're able to kind of sit down and hear about, you know, their family and, you know, their, their kids and what they do and, you know, hear about their experiences. They'll tell some, you know, officiating stories when they came up. I mean, that's my favorite times. Yeah. Right? The games are the games, but the fun times is afterwards, as you can probably attest to. I mean, those are the times you remember. I, I'm not going to remember the block charge I called it, you know, the 15-28 mark. I'm going to remember the stories that we had and, you know, sharing those. Absolutely. I, I agree with you on that one. Um, what is the weirdest, funniest, most unusual thing you've witnessed while officiating? So my first year of officiating college, I went to a school – and they actually played at like a local YMCA. Again, I you know, I played Division One basketball, not at the highest level, but did major. We were treated pretty well. Um, didn't expect to be rushing a college basketball game at a YMCA. One, <laughs> but two, I really didn't expect to be showering showering with the visiting team after the game because <laughs> it was the only thing they had. What made it even more awkward was we had about four or five technicals against that team. So they got done with their post-game speech. Rory in the shower, they come in, and the guy gave that awkward wave as we're um, trying to shower up and get out of there pretty quick. Oh, man. I <laughs> <laughs> would not like that at all. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a welcome to college basketball moment for me. Um, what is the funniest thing that maybe a player, coach, or a fan ever said to you? Well, I had a coach who recruited me a little bit coming out of high school, sees that I'm on the game, and says, Floyd, how the hell you been? I said, oh, pretty good, coach. You know, how you doing? He goes, God, I hope you are a better official than player. <laughs> I said, I, said I, I hope so, too. And so then we're about, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes into the game, and I made a call. He goes, well, you're not. <laughs> I turned around and he was smiling, just laughing, ear to you know, smiling ear to ear. So that was pretty good. You know, he, he was pretty quick on that. Oh, that's that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> uh, last question: um, Who's a better basketball coach, uh, Mike Floyd or John Floyd? <laughs> 
I'll give Mike the edge on that, but I'm a much better official, especially based on the clips he sends me. <laughs> now nah, he's doing a great job. I'm, I'm proud he of him. He, um, yeah, it, I, him being on the coaching side, it, it really actually, actually helps me be a better official because, and I, hopefully I can help him. Um, Mark, I'm sure you've had him. Uh-huh. Hopefully he does a good job communicating with you guys. Yep. Because I, I do try to, you know, let him know, man. I mean, I, we're, we're human beings here. One, we're going to miss plays. But two, you know, subconsciously, sometimes, you know, the human element comes into, comes in. So, you know, if you're a good guy, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. So hopefully he does a good job of communicating with you guys. Yeah, we get along fine. He's a Defiance College grad, so, you know. We, we, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you guys got that connection. Then. Right on, yeah. Oh, no, this has been good. I'll tell you, this is, I'll tell you what's about this podcast, this episode. This is the first time I've interviewed somebody in a car. And it's the and it's the first time that I've gotten two phone calls during the podcast that I've actually, I, I forgot to turn the volume down. So hopefully those listening, um, you know, I think it turned out pretty well though. So, but really, uh, John, thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate your time and, and man, just have a great season. Look forward to seeing you on TV. It's always a proud moment when we can see a, a Northwest Ohio official on the national uh, national stage. So uh, best of luck to you, and, and thanks again for being on the show. Mark, I truly appreciate it. It means a lot to me, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys. I'll be, I'll be popping in some of my younger brother's games uh, during the year. Hopefully I can uh, come across you guys. and I, I go, you know, Good luck to everyone that's listening. And that concludes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. I hope you were able to enjoy the episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more wisdom from another basketball official. Until then, remember to read Mark chapter 1, verse 11 for your daily inspiration.